April 28, 2020, Golden Tongued Wisdom. So, John, how are you this morning? Terrific. I've already Good. been on one on one conference call with Touchdown. Now, are, you, are you using your microphone? Your I did, microphone? very much. Yeah, for the Zoom calls, too, and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Makes a huge difference, doesn't it? Yeah, the the, ba- the bass notes come through better. Exactly. Yeah. So I thought we might uh, we might update your followers on your podcast, Parables for Entrepreneurs, with uh, just what's happening with John Sanders and what's on your mind. Yeah, let's do that. Okay. Let me let me think about what's on my mind right now. Don't think of something cogent. Okay. Well, we'll talk, about, a- we'll, we'll talk about the uh, the virus problems. Okay. So let it, you know, like you're living in a really nice retirement uh, community home in uh, Carlsbad, right? So Absolutely. The best. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. So we're very comfortable. They're taking care of us. Oh, my hair. Got to fix my hair here. Oh, um, well, the video doesn't get recorded, so don't you worry oh. about that. <laughs> Well, the barbershops aren't open, so his hair is getting longer. I'll have as much hair as you do pretty soon, John. Oh, look at this. This is, you know, <laughs> a bit much. My my sister goes, I'm really jealous of your curls. It's just like, here, I'll cut them off and send them to you. There you go. So um, we're living very comfortable here at Carlsbad by the sea. They take good care of us. We don't have a dining room service anymore, but they present. They bring it to our, well, we live in the ocean building. They bring it to us, or you can go pick it up at two central locations. And you order your dinners. You've got option A or option B. And all of this is done through our concierge uh, service, which is online. And more nice. and more of our people are using their They're getting into the online stuff, even us old yeah. folks. Oh, so, yeah. um, you know, the average age here is, I'm above it. It's 79. I'm 81. So, um we got a bunch, and we've got a bunch of hundreds here. Not a bunch. I think you have five or six now. And That's several incredible. of them are, are onto the computer stuff and using Alexa and really, really getting into the into the world. So that's amazing. You have five or six people over 100. And, yep. it, and I understand in terms of health, everyone's doing really well. We've had no virus whatsoever. Staff are nice. residents. Nice. That's with 106, uh, over 200 people, 150 <laughs> so what? Are, so what are they doing to uh, ensure that? Well, we have the, uh, they started about two weeks ago. If you go to outside of your apartment, anywhere in a building, you got to have a mask on. Mm-hmm. And a bunch mm-hmm. of the ladies have made a bunch of masks here. So everybody's got one at least. Um, <laughs> there's no dining room service. So you don't, you don't uh, get together socially so much there. Uh, right. There are no gatherings. And a gathering is more than one person unless you live together. So. Uh-huh. You, you're not allowed to have visitors in your apartments regardless. Yeah. No outside people come in the building. No uh, people move apartment to apartment. So they're really doing it, which is not a big deal one way or the other. Uh, right. and, and I'm out on the street quite a bit. We walk two or three times a day on the street. Can't go on the beach yet. Hopefully next Monday. No, we'll they the opened beach. up San, San Diego and, and uh, Moonlight Beach and Encinitas, I guess. Huh? Yeah, yeah. We're not open. <clears throat> Carlsbad Beach is only about three quarters of a mile, and that's the part uh-huh. in front of us. Then the California State Beaches have the beaches on down. So when they open, we'll probably open. Nice. They don't want everybody coming on our little stretch of beach. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, we wouldn't want that. But small businesses, this uh, virus is affecting everyone. 
even if it's not directly, it's affecting your emotions and what you think of the future. So I think small businesses constantly have an have one added layer of challenge, mm-hmm. and that is adapting to this new future. My mm-hmm. biggest concern is we'll do away with a handshake. I love the handshake. Oh yeah, yeah. The handshake tells. Well, you're me just going to have to migrate. You're going to have to go, do an elbow bump or something. There's no emotion in the elbow. Bump. I know. There's not this. It's not the same. Because I've always told, uh, especially the young ladies that work for me, because I had a bunch of sales gals when I had the newspaper. And uh, I used to tell them, I said, there's two things, two big advantages you have over a man salesman. I said, number one, a good handshake puts you in a different category. Now, this is 20 years ago. And a yeah. smile, there's no man can beat your smile. So I said, you give them a good handshake and a smile, you're already there. But I said that the other thing about women salesmen versus men, I always preferred them. First of all, they're more fun to be around. And second, because salespeople, you know, they're already outward in their their, uh, actions. But I said, women, the, the advantage that women salespeople have over men is that I said, women customers always want to help another woman. So they like giving mm-hmm. business to a woman. Mm-hmm. And I said, men just like to be mothered. And I said, they remember their mother <laughs> telling them what to do, and they do it. And I said, so the key is, is when you're talking to a, a customer, you don't ask him for something. You tell him this is what he should do, and he'll believe you. So nice. um, that's, that is my best advice to women salespeople. I already know what the name of this podcast is going to be. Women so over John, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. So John, but speaking to somebody like me who loves sales mainly because I love relationships, I love talking with people. How, how do you take that and turn it around in such a way that it's useful to a man? Well, men have to men have to be more personable. Men have to huh. be more like a mother. Is my my projection okay? Not like a father. You don't be stern, but you have right. a smile and you tell them this is what they need and smile yep. when you say it. Yep. So the yep. smile has to go through your sales effort. You always oh, got to, yeah. the yeah. customer always has to be comfortable. Yeah. So, and uh, it, has, it has to be real and authentic. And for some salespeople, here's my thing, for some salespeople, and this includes a lot of different other professions, often they need therapy first. Yeah. Somehow right. to, somehow to just like get out of, you know, it's like be yourself and just, you know, just be yourself and don't be so, so uh, matter of fact, and I've actually been talking to a lot of women about these issues right now. So it's interesting. Well, you, you can use my, you can use my example about being a mother. Oh, I will be a mother to the, to the customer. Yep. I certainly will. And they'll go away happy. Yeah. So you, you are aware that for those of us, you know, like at all Maven who are used to being online all the time, it, in a, in a real sense, we don't have the technical challenges that other people have, but there, there's, you know, there are still challenges because of many of our clients are actually aren't quite yet up to speed, although we're helping them do that. When well, here in Carlsbad by the Sea, we have a lot of people using Zoom, and mm-hmm. they now have Zoom groups that get together in the afternoon, and these are, you know, without question, over seventy years old because there's very yeah. people under seventy here. <clears throat> And um, they're getting along fine. So uh, all of our committee meetings are by Zoom. 
Yeah. And, uh, uh, and, uh, the, uh, in fact, I've got a technology committee meeting coming up next Tuesday and we'll do that by zoom. So, nice. um, uh, people are getting technically savvy. It doesn't take long, but yeah, I'll tell you, here's the rub. If you didn't like math and, and science, when you were in grade school, you don't like technology today. Most likely. I can see that. All right. So this yeah. is why the liberal arts, this is why us engineers, engineering school was always on the other side of the campus or in some corner, never in the middle. All right. Right. Because uh, they're a different breed and the liberal arts people didn't like being around engineers and they still don't like technology. Yeah. In general. Yeah. No, I know. I know. So, there, but there are a fair amount of people in liberal arts and, and that sort of thing that have, of course, had to learn to embrace technology and have, you know, done really well on YouTube channels and things like that. But, well, here's the key. When technology first comes out, it's us first adopters that'll jump on it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Engineers are mm-hmm. first adopters. Okay. Yep. So ultimately to be successful, it has to get into the mainstream and to get mm-hmm. in the mainstream, it has to be transparent. Otherwise, right. it can't be technology. Here's the R. This is what it is. And you adapt to it. Yeah. So I'm impressed with Zoom. I mean, it is it is so straightforward as to how to get things done. Yes. They got yeah. little things that make it uh, make it that much better. Say, John, yes. you, you, you've heard me talk about Mary Kravitz, right? Yes. I'm going through a workshop, and she has a weekly she has a weekly uh, Zoom call with about thirty or forty people. It's called Watch Us Thrive. Okay. So, you know, I would. I would recommend you experience it at least once in terms of how she handles it because 30 or 40 or people show up and there's a couple, there's a couple rules, you know, in terms of being kind to people and, and no direct selling. Somebody asks you about what you do and they want to Does find she out control more. the microphones. Well, she can, but yeah. she doesn't have to because, no. you know, people do this enough that they understand they mute themselves when they're not talking. Yeah. But here's the thing is she's doing these zoom rooms. So, in, you know, she basically pairs two or three people together to get to know each other. And it's been fabulous for me because um, there's I have a new good friend, Karen Berzanski, who I met through Mary Kravitz. And we've been on several podcasts and she's smart as a whip. And I just um, I'm really actually hoping to break her out into a new podcast channel or another media channel. But I've met several people, new friends, and it's been really good for business for everybody. Yeah. I'll send you it. I'll send you a link to uh, sign. Yeah, up. do that. Is she on once a week or what? It's once a week. It kind of has been changing lately. Let me look at my calendar real quick. I think. Oh, I think this week's. Um, this week it is Thursday at ten a.m. I can probably be on it. Mary support. Call. Yep. Do I sign up in advance or just show up? No, no, no. You have to sign up. Uh, sign up so you get the information about when the when it is and the Zoom ID and stuff like okay. that. She's she's just like one of my favorite people in the world. Very good. Very successful and I think one of the best marketing coaches I've ever met. So anyway, I'll let you know about that. So what else, John Sanders, has your attention? What else? Well, I think the uh – I think I'm still trying to to absorb in my own mind mm-hmm. the relation between the shutdown that the nation has gone through mm-hmm. and the relation between it and so-called saving lives. So mm. you might say, so how much is a life worth? 
Would we really had two million people die from this coronavirus? The president now says it'll probably be seventy thousand because we're at fifty six or something now. So, in the meantime, it's cost our economy God knows how much. Maybe it may sink parts of it forever. Yeah, I'm pr- pretty sure of that. So, how do you put a dollar amount on a human life? I don't know what mine's worth, and probably not much at this point because I don't have that many years left. But, not uh, true. Not true. <laughs> It's worth claim, a lot to me. I claim a lot uh, that I'm going to live to be 100, but who knows? Uh, around here, we might do it, you know? Yeah. And, uh, uh, so I've tried to absorb that in my own mind and say, now, how do we relate what it's done to the economy? Look at Sweden. Sweden has been very gradual in theirs. Now, Sweden has always put out it as an example. Uh, I don't, you know, it's not that big and it's not that uh, right, aggressive. Right. So they're a little different than the U.S., but they've not closed down the restaurants. They've not closed down all these small businesses. And their economy is doing – it's down, but it's doing very well. And so their restart is not going to be that great because they're already doing stuff. So my second-guessing – and, again, I second-guess bureaucrats. I was a bureaucrat for five years. And oh, uh, and proud of it, right? I was part of the bureaucracy. I, I was. We were on a, the fringe of bureaucracy. I was in the CIA, and we didn't really consider ourselves bureaucrats, but we were. But, yeah. you know, the number one job of a bureaucrat is to sustain his job, period. Okay? Oh, yeah, sure. So they do not count. You know, I was, I was just joshing with the uh, minister across the street at uh, St. Michael's Episcopal Church. And I was telling him, you know, as a kid, I used to say I grew up Southern Baptist. And they had sins of omission and sins of commission. And I said, I am not going to hell because of sins of omission. So I'll go, I'll, I'll take my lumps for being doing things wrong, but I'm not going to take my lumps for not doing something. And that's your safety in government. There's no one is held accountable for things that didn't get done. Oh. It can it can it can holler and scream, but there's no accountability for it. If you do something, then you're subject to criticism and taking the lumps. This is true in a big company also, because big companies are more like bureaucracies than people want to admit. And it's interesting. Um, there, there. I look back and I claim there are three basic laws of business that deal with a bureaucracy. It was always when a business approaches bureaucracy. It stagnates. Mm-hmm. This is why you got to watch entrepreneurial companies don't have bureaucracies. Just go right to the top, get it done. Yep. So one of them is Murphy's Law. Murphy's Law. I knew Colonel Murphy. is an Air Force uh, colonel in, out of Wright-Patterson. And Murphy, it was with a space, a, a space shuttle. And he said, you got to think this way. If something can go wrong, it will. So you always have to assume that whatever can go wrong will go wrong protect against it. And therefore, when bureaucracies get to the point where they don't really look in, at the little things, and it's the little things that add up and go wrong. The second one is the Peter principle. And I forget Peter's first name, but he was a university professor somewhere. And his, his statement in a bureaucracy, people rise to their level of incompetence. One way or the other, they do well and they're promoted and they're promoted and at some point they hit a point where they can't do the job well, either because they're not qualified or the thing's gotten complicated or they have to learn Zoom and they don't want to. Okay. 
<laughs> and therefore, nothing gets done because everybody is incompetent in their job. And that is a classic bureaucracy. And the third one is C. Nethcote Parkinson, who was a British guy back in the turn of the last century. Who was and that? He, uh, Parkinson. So okay. Parkinson's law is, the fundamental law is work expands to equal the time allotted for it. And that is a classic bureaucracy. You're supposed to work eight hours. You work eight hours. Not yeah. It's going to take two hours to get the job done. Let's get it done. Then we do something else. Yeah. So uh, the thing I love about Parkinson is he had several different corollaries that he had to his. One of them was about uh, about uh, filing cabinets. Mm-hmm. Sooner or later, you run out of storage space, no matter how many filing cabinets you have. You might as well stop at one, and when you have to put something in, you take something out. That's the way you keep from getting to the point where you've got so much stuff you can't deal with it. Is that why my hard drive's full? That's always your hard drive is always going to fill up. <laughs> yeah. It's the same as filing cabinets. And so his thoughts, my, when, when a number of years ago, when I was getting much more paper than I get now, I used to stack it up beside the bed. And so when the file finally fell over, I would take the bottom half and throw it away. Right? And Parkinson said that, that, so filing goes to the space allotted for it, just like work expands to equal the time allotted for it. But he had several characters that he described in a bureaucracy. And the best one that I remember was he said a South Pointer. He said a South Pointing compass is equally valuable as a North Pointing compass once you've determined it's pointing south. Right? Mm. So he says a person in business who's always wrong is equally valuable to one who's always right. Once you find out he's always wrong. And until you do, it could cost you a lot to get to that point. But once you've figured out what the person's capabilities are, you're back to the devil known is generally better better than the devil unknown because you adapt to the devil and deal with it. Yeah. Wow. You got to read more parables. Uh They're still around. Yeah, they're still around. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. I feel like we're just getting started, too. You know, it's John, it's really great. There's a number of people that I've been turning uh, parables for entrepreneurs on. And, and uh, you know, I just want to acknowledge the fact that you're a uh, a really a best kept secret at the chamber and just in that community. So and, and most of it is experience. And, you know, I, I consider it to be golden tongued wisdom, if you want to know the truth. Well, thank you. I thank you. Yeah. You're get, you're getting smarter every time we talk. <laughs> well, thank you. And I, you know, anyway, I I really enjoy these conversations for sure. So John, I want I need to wind this up only because um I got another appointment, but I want to keep this going. Do you have anything else you want to say for this? Not right now, but I'll be more I'll be more prepared the next time for some cogent words. Well, you you were you know, really, really great. And like I said, it's kind of started talking uh, talking at the top about uh, sales and women and how they're so much better at it, yeah. but evolved into, um, you know, bureaucracy and yeah. uh, three three principles, which yeah. uh, which is really, really great. So, Well, okay, my friend, you take care. Thanks for the microphone. Yeah, before you go, next Tuesday, you know, we're at the uh, Chamber uh, – Business Resource Committee, at, it's actually, I think, going to be at 730. Is that the one you're referring to? Uh, no, I'm, doing, I'm not actually on that, but I'm going to 
I think I'll drop it. Is that going to be a Zoom meeting or is it going to be yes. in person? No, it'll, it'll be a Zoom meeting. So if you go to the Chamber website and go to the event calendar, yeah. you, you know, you can just uh, get to it there, sign up. All right. I had something, but it's been canceled. So I'm good for okay. that. Thursday. All right. All right, good. Take Talk care. Talk soon. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.